was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. He went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles, and he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. He also had a debate with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. When he told them about Jesus and his resurrection, they said, What's this babbler trying to say with these strange ideas he's picked up? Others said, He seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. Then they took him in the high council of the city. Come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. You are saying some rather strange things, and we want to know what it's all about. It should be explained that all the Athenians, as well as the foreigners in Athens, seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way, for as I was walking along, I saw you, your many shrines, and one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples, and human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From, from one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times. But now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and to turn to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he approved to everyone who is this by raising him from the dead. When they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt. But others said, we want to hear more about this later. That ended Paul's discussion with them. But some joined him and became believers. Among them were Diosthenes, a council, a member of the council, a woman named Damaris, and others with them. Will you please follow me in prayer? Father, we, we humbly come before you this day to thank you for everything that you supply to us, especially your word, Father. We ask that you be with Daniel as he gives his sermon today that you open ears and open hearts to your word, Father. Again, we thank you for everything that you've done for us, especially sacrificing your dear son. May we humbly accept this and repent of our sins. 
We thank you again for everything in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you, Jane. This today, we're sending out uh, mission teams, and I, I really enjoy seeing so many young people here willing to go out as missionaries. As you know, I am a missionary. I was inclined to say I was a missionary, but since I'm German and I'm in the States and I work for the Lord preaching the gospel, so I guess I still am a missionary, um, and this is my mission field. And to be honest, it is still a mission field, and Germany is a mission field, and United States is a mission field, and Paul was a missionary to the Athens. What's very interesting in this text that we just heard is that it says at the beginning of the text, while Paul was walking through the city of Athens. Um, we walk through our lives. We go out and do our stuff, and the mission team, they will be out walking through Philadelphia, walking through um, towns of uh, Guatemala, and they will see things. Paul saw things, and Paul was troubled. Paul saw many different things that he looked at, and, and he saw this altar and this uh, statue and so on, and he was troubled, the Bible says. Today I want to talk a little bit about Paul's approach to missions, to reaching out to people. And as you listen to this text, I want to challenge you to not think of those Athenians or of the mission teams that go out to Philadelphia, to Guatemala. Think about you, where you live, where you work. How do you reach out? How do you walk through life? Um, and how is there something that you can learn from today's sermon to be able to reach out with the Word of God, with Jesus Christ, to those nations? That would be the goal for today, that we look at this text and learn from Paul as he goes through Athens and learns. The text says that Paul went out and he walked through the town and he was troubled. He was revoked. He was, there was something that was stirred up in him by the idols. And I asked myself, what are idols? And the short sentence would be God substitutes. Where we put something or someone in that place that we trust in, that we worship, that we hope for, instead of God. Maybe we understand it a little bit better when we ask the question, what is idolatry? Idolatry, I wrote down one uh, definition that I found, people being lost in their own world, in their own music world, in their own science world, in their own work world, in their own family world, whatever it is, church world, people being lost. There's a, this saying that someone is lost or lost himself in doing that or this. And many times people get so focused on one work or one word or one, one thing that they focus on that they just forget everything that is around them. Um, kind of like that, but on a constant base where that person is so occupied with that one thing, let it be sports, let it be other things, that just occupy that person the whole time. Many times people look for fulfillment 
or relief of pain in the wrong places. That would also be idolatry. We seek for fulfillment, we, we do this or that, and we try to fulfill or fill our life with something, but in the end, we realize it's, it's not really filling. Or we seek relief of pain. And there's plenty of pain around in this world. And uh, now, as we heard about this uh, volcano in Guatemala, and you've seen it probably also in the news, I mean, the Village of Hope is an an area where it's kind of up on the other side and the volcano erupted to this side, but there's many people that died on this side. And I'm sure that many of those children that are around there also come to Village of Hope and have this question, what now? Or parents, what now? What can we do? We had a major earthquake um, in Ecuador 2018, no, 16, and a lot of people died. And the question was, where, where, where do I go? Where do I find relief of pain? And when people try to find relief of pain in other place than God, they will be lost in their things. When Paul was walking through this uh, town, uh, Athens, he try to figure out what, what is it, what is going on here. And he realized it was not just the altars, it was not just the, all the different uh, idols that they had out there, but it was also the teachings. Athens was known for the different teachings. And one of the teachings there, or one of the schools of teaching, school of philosophy, was the Epicureans. Words that I had to practice first before I come here. The Epicureans... Uh, interestingly, the Epicureans, they have kind of this uh, phrase, pursuit of happiness in moderation. You have a phrase here or a definition, the eternal world is a series of atoms and the highest good is pleasure interpreted as freedom from disturbance and pain. Uh, pursuit of happiness, try to be moderate, be happy, try to get that happiness and so on. Um, they also had this idea of this atoms, and, and there's actually no God um, trying to figure out what's going on. Interestingly, we have this pursuit of happiness also in our culture. There, a couple of years ago, Will Smith was in the movie itself called Pursuit of Happiness. We have it in the Declaration of Independence, um, where you find a phrase like, um, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by the Creator with certain unavailable rights, unalienable rights, sorry, and among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Is it wrong to pursue happiness? No, it's not wrong, but if you look in the wrong place for happiness, then it is wrong. You understand what I'm saying? We have a school of the Stoics. Um, The Stoics, they would basically say freedom from suffering through self-control. We have this phrase that people are Stoic. They they don't show any emotions. Uh, Another um, definition here, people should strictly restrain from their emotions in order to attain happiness and wisdom. Freedom from suffering through self-control. Or if you look at yoga today, Uh, In yoga, people try through self-control to find inner calm. Is it wrong to find inner calm? No, it is not. 
But if you look in yourself, you will not find inner calm. Or at least I, if I look inside myself, there's way too many stuff that, I mean, just gets me off track. Just try to pray and stay on track, you know. And all of a sudden, the, the mind wanders and there's so much in there. Inner calm, happiness, yes, we can pursue it. We can search for it. But at the same time, where do we search for it? What is our anchor? Paul here sees it, and he's provoked by it, and now he doesn't just point it out to others. He sees an opportunity. Where others see a point to point fingers, where others see idols, Paul sees an opportunity. He looks at it with, okay, how can I talk to the people? How can I reach those people? How can I make sure that I can make a connection between their beliefs and their system and their school of uh, philosophy and Jesus Christ? There's a saying, and I'm sure you have heard it. If not, then you will hear it now. There is a God-shaped hole in the heart of everyone that needs to be filled with God. God-shaped hole. And I think it is very interesting to look at that and, and ask yourself, what are the needs? And I want to ask the question, what would you say, and you can shout it out, what are needs in your surrounding? Mannheim community, Lidditz, wherever you live, what would you define as a need of a person or the community? People who try to find happiness, inner calm, where are needs? What kind of needs are there around you? Or what kind of hurts? Maybe that helps a little bit. What kind of hurts do you see around you? Family conflict? Family conflict. Loneliness. Loneliness? Abandonment? Poor health? I jotted down also pain and guilt, drugs and alcohol. Those are actually not the needs or the hurts, but many people try to run into those areas. I, I jotted down tam, uh, also uh, PTSD. And not just the military, but there are so many people that deal with PTSD through a situation where they went through a tough situation and now try to cope with it. There are needs in our, our societies, and we can address them with the Word of God. As we go into missions, let it be in Philadelphia, Guatemala, or Mannheim, then we should look for where are the needs and not point fingers, but look for those opportunities. Where can we connect Another way of connecting is the way Paul does it here. He looks for the idols. What would you call an idol within the Mannheim community or Lancaster County community? What kind of idols come to your mind? Sports. How come everyone says sports right away like that? <laughs> I jotted that down as my first point too. What else? Social media. Social media. Money. What's that? Heroin. Heroin. Heroin, 
I would say there's, there's a drug that they use maybe to find relief from those needs and so on, but it might be also something for an idol where people go and, and just enjoy it. I wrote down also keeping up with the Smiths. Look at that lawn over there. Look at that siding. I think we should replace our siding again. You know, things like that. Or I also wrote down, and don't understand me wrong, but I think it can move towards being an idol, a Mennonite game. You know, this and this person. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's related with this and this person. Oh, yeah, I love that game because this way I get to know the church, you know. But as soon as this game, as soon as this knowing each other turns into gossip, we need to be very careful how we treat that whole thing. In Ecuador, they used to say, Pueblo Chiquito, Infierno Grande. If you have a small town, then hell breaks loose because everyone knows everything. How do you reach people? How do you reach out to the people? What are the things that we have to look for? Paul doesn't point it out. He doesn't point fingers, but he now uses it as an opportunity, and he starts talking. As we read this text, you saw that Paul started talking to the people. There were some controversies, but he did not listen to the opposing words. He continued talking. And then he gets invited to talk at the Areopagus, or however you pronounce that. You know, he gets invited to a place where usually only the great philosophers would speak, and he is invited to talk about it. Do you get invited when you share the gospel, or do you get rejected when you share the gospel? I think when we talk about Jesus, when we talk about the things that we know from the Bible, we should talk about it in a way that we get invited more and more. Oh, yes, I like that. I would like to hear a little bit more. Those people were, were intrigued by why he, what he said, and he was invited to share the gospel. But as we share, we need to make sure that we do it in the right way. Let me back up a second and, and say where would be places where we can get invited to share and we need to be careful to share? Where, where would you share the gospel? On the square, for example. Where else can you share the gospel? Workplace. Where else? Neighborhoods. Where else? Thank you. Facebook. Yeah, Facebook and Twitter. Why not? You know, I, I've been purposely following certain sites lately because of this sermon, and one of the things that I realize is all those comments on the immigration situation right now with those children or on pride um, and the pride parades and stuff like that, or on other topics that are out there, many times we have all these different Bible verses that are thrown around and the one bounces out the other one and, and the one insults the other one and, and there's always this fight, but I don't see a way where there's a small little comment uh, that just invites for a conversation. It actually contributes to more rejection. How do we write those comments? Yes, there is some truth that we need to share. Yes, there are some things that are biblical sound and we don't budge. 
But at the same time, do we want to invite people to get to know Christ, or do we want the church to be that place where they are extremists and they have those things and, and they don't budge and, and they are just hate speeches? And that's what it can come down to. I'm not saying that it is always like that, but we need to be careful how we share. Do we get invited by our neighbor to share the gospel, by our work colleague, or do we get more the rejection? And it depends on us how we present the gospel. We also need to be cultural sensitive as we share the gospel, that we look out, watch out for our languages. You just got that message where Paul, or the, the Bible verse where Paul says, to the Jews I became a Jew. To those of the law I became someone of the law, even though I don't have to abide by it. To the Gentiles I became a Gentile to be able to reach some of them. We need to be cultural sensitive. We need to learn the language of the people. First thing that I had to do to go to Ecuador was learn Spanish. I came to Ecuador, I could say gracias, no. And that was it. And then little by little, I learned a few words. I learned, I want this. And I went into the store and I said, I want this and I want this. And then I said, cuanta cuesta? How much does it cost? And then that person just threw some numbers out and I didn't learn the numbers by then yet. So it didn't help. I have to learn the language if I want to re uh, reach those people. Now, you might say, hey, here in Lancaster County, I'm pretty safe. I don't have to learn a different language. Pennsylvania Dutch might be a different language for you. There's a lot of Spanish-speaking people here. But then also within other cultural backgrounds um, in certain groups, they might use a completely different language. Let's use Facebook again. Emojis. You know which emoji means what? And lol, what that means? Try to learn it. You know, try to learn it. Um, there's this one story, I can't remember where I got it from, but there's one story where someone passes away and a mom just writes down lol. And they're like, mom, why do you write laugh out loud? And she's like, oh, sorry, I thought that's lots of love. Learn the language. Learn the language of Facebook. Learn the language that is around you. Learn the language of the people downtown. They might speak differently. Learn the language of uh, those around you who you talk to. Um, be sensitive. Don't drop church language. Sometimes we use words that people say, what in the world is that? Justification, sanctification. And, I mean, there are some words in there We understand them, but they might not. Be culturally sensitive. Terminology. We just had a nice laugh yesterday. My parents are here, and they will be here in the second service, and I will tell that story just to have a little bit of fun. But they, my, my um, in-laws, they were going out to get a canopy. And so my dad said, you need some help. He said, nah, it's, it's easy. I can, I can get that. I just throw it in the truck, and that's it. And my father-in-law wanted to leave, and my dad was like, he's just going to throw it in the truck? Well, well he's just going to get a canopy. Well, on the way to us, we started talking and so on. Um, my dad 
didn't have the piece of a, over it, and he asked, so, so what's this with this canopy? Turns out that in German, or at least in the area of my parents, my grandma, and I can remember that, uh, she would say, I would, she would lay down on the canopy and rest a little bit. Now, in Germany, in the area where I come from, a canopy is a couch. So she would lay down on the couch and rest a little bit. Now, you can understand why my dad was a little bit puzzled when my, gra- uh, my father-in-law said he's just going to throw it in the back of the truck. <laughs> you know, you don't just throw a couch in the back of the truck, you know? So learn the terminologies. You need to understand what you're saying, and you need to make sure that the other person understands what you're saying. And that is true within English culture, too. You might say something that the other person says, I have no idea what you were just trying to say. We need to learn those different connection points. And then we need to learn to present God. We need to learn to show God to the people, present the truth about God, and show God. Um, To be able to show God and present God, you need to know your God. And Paul definitely knew his God. He started his conversation here with the the people of Athens, and he says, now here, as I was walking through, um, passing through and observing the object of your worship, I even found an altar on which was the inscription to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it, he is the Lord of heavens and the earth and does not live in shrines made by hands. Paul does point out the flaws. He does point out the different things. But first of all, he says, okay, now let's look at this God that you're worshiping. What is this God? Who is this God? What kind of a God are you presenting to the people? Do you know your God? Paul makes a point that they know the God, and he makes the connection. And he says, you know, this God that you are seeking to find might not be too far away from what you have. Paul mentions in in, uh, one verse that uh, this is a God, for in him we live and move and exist. Even some of your poets, your own poets, have said, for we are also his offsprings. Paul goes ahead and says, okay, listen, many things that you have in your word and and in your world and your philosophies that can be connected to God. You can find this God. Actually, those two phrases that he says, for in him we live and move and exist, and also the other one, um, for we are all offsprings of him, those are actually phrases that were attributed to Zeus which was the, one of the Greek gods. Paul makes this connection and knowingly makes this connection and says, let me, let me just throw this out there. There are some uh, connections that we share in common. And that as he goes on and talks about God and this God that is sovereign and that created the world and that created the humans, he presents God. But then he also presents Jesus. Um, and he makes sure that they know that Jesus is the one. I have a picture for you. You get it? 
If I'm reading the Bible, and she, that's from a movie, she predicts the future, and she just says, Jesus dies. What kind of a message are we preaching? Do we preach in a way that in the end, the rock will look and say, huh? The end? There we go. He's dead. The star of the book, the hero of the book dies. Or do we continue and present Jesus resurrected? We need to make sure that we present Jesus resurrected, that we present the whole story. Paul makes a connection through that altar, and he goes then on to talk about God, and then he goes on to talk about uh, Jesus Christ, and he presents Jesus Christ I want to ask you a few questions just to to make you think before you go and try to be a missionary in your world of influence. Some questions here. How would you present Jesus to someone who's never heard about the Bible or the God of the Bible? And I've had that in Ecuador and other places. In your world, in your surrounding, what is the one thing that could open the door for a great conversation about God. Or then this one that is up here, how would you start an inviting, an underline three times, inviting, an inviting conversation with a atheist, Muslim, veteran, classmate, German? You can practice that with me if you want. Neighbor, immigrant, MC soccer parent, and you put in whatever you want to put in that blank. How do you start that? How do you start that conversation? Then, just for your encouragement, leave the results up to God. The text closes with this short two-verse statement that some rejected it. Some said, wow, that's interesting. I want to know more. And some accepted it. Leave that up to God. God will deal with it. If people reject it, let them be. Maybe they need some more time. Love them anyway and share the gospel next time around. If they are interested and want to know a little bit more, then share a little bit more. Take them along as they get to know God a little bit more. And if they accept Jesus Christ, then help them in the first steps. Lead them. Show them what to do next. Let us go out and be missionaries to the world around us. You don't have to go to Guatemala to be a missionary Thank you for those that go to Guatemala. Thank you for those that go to Philadelphia. Thank you for those that go into other ends of the world or United States. But you can also do it here in Mannheim, in Lancaster County, in the United States. Let us pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for this text of Paul walking through Athens and seeing where there is something that he can connect. And then he connects you with what they have, and then he presents Jesus Christ, you as living Savior. And we want to be missionaries here in our world, and we want to ask you that you guide us, that you give us the wisdom to find those connection points, and then connect with those people and present you. We ask you that you bless us in this endeavor, and that you let us be a blessing to the people around us. And we pray this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen.